in the gospel according to Mark and the gospel according to Luke and the gospel according to John. But today we're going to look at the gospel according to the angels. Now, they didn't write it any books, but they sure came with a message of good news. They came with this message, and, and really what's so interesting about it is it, it just in the very short glimpses that were given into the words that these angels spoke, there is some, there's some powerful truth. The fullness almost of the whole gospel is just given in their words. And that's what I want to look at today because um, I was thinking of <clears throat> the, the most times you seem to see angels, at least see them involved, uh, you see them throughout the scripture, but you really see them around this Christmas story, the time of Christ and, and his coming. And, and so we're going to read three passages of scripture and then I'm going to go and we're going to go through and look at some of the things that, that are the good news that have been proclaimed. So one of the things that happened was with Mary now, it doesn't say Mary was sleeping or dreaming or doing anything, but an angel appeared in the room where she was at. And this is in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 26 through 38. Oh, I should say this too. Well, let's do this. Let's read. We've got lots of things to talk about. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement, kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will, be, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, Well, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to get a glimpse of an angel visiting Joseph. Now, what was interesting about this visitation is that the angel visited him in a dream. Isn't that interesting? So I guess God can communicate different ways. We see the angel coming to Mary in a bright light shining, and she sees this and understands it. 
Joseph is sleeping, but the angel comes and communicates. And did you hear the word God sent? Because that's, that's one of the things angels do. They're messengers of God and speaking forth the things of God. So here's Joseph. And um, we're going to read from verse 18 through 24 of Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the word or by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then one more passage of Scripture. This is the shepherds. Now, talk about a bright light. So what happens is, you know, one angel pops up to these guys and think they're out in the wilderness, they're out in absolute darkness, and all of a sudden this angel, the glory of the angel shows, and it says that they were sore afraid, if you like that translation. They were scared, spitless in today's words. They were scared and frightened, which it would. I mean, all of a sudden, here's this glory, and the angel makes a proclamation, and in the midst of that proclamation, what took place is that the the sky was filled with angels, and they were declaring and singing, and so just think of that. Now, we have uh, angel visit nice and calmly, we have another angel come in a dream, and now this, this, this angel comes, and the hosts of heaven are there. Just think of how that just filled, filled the, the night, man, just with brightness. So this is Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. It said, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So the word angel means messenger. It's a simple concept. It just means messenger, one who's speaking for God. 
It's kind of like the word prophet. The prophet is someone speaking for God. So these angels come and they proclaim. They're coming from God and they're proclaiming something. And they're proclaiming something that's very important. And I see a twofold purpose in, in uh, at least generally in angels that cover what they're doing. And it's in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it talks about it. It says, are they not ministering spirits? So in other words, they're ministering in behalf of God. They're coming and they're doing what God desires to do. And it says, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. So this is talking about these angels come on behalf of God, but they're coming on, on behalf of men. And they're, they're speaking forth and they're declaring the things that God wants to speak. So now we're going to go through some of the things that these angels spoke, but I've, I've kind of organized them because they overlap, right? They're, there are three different times that they're talking in these things that we just read. But I want to go through and show the gospel according to the angels. So the first part of the gospel is that there would be a virgin birth. And that's when the angel came to Mary and said to her, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So, And she's going, well, how can this be? How can this be? I'm a, I, I'm a virgin. I've never had relations. And <clears throat> so in verse 34 and 35, it says, The angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And so what, what this angel is proclaiming to Mary is that God's going to do a miraculous conception through the Holy Spirit. It's going to be something miraculous where, where the Holy Spirit comes and then within her womb there is conceived Jesus. Now, why, why is this so important? Why is the virgin birth so vital and, and for us to understand why it, it's, it needs to be done is because every single person in the world has been tainted with sin. We know that from Adam. It says through one man sin entered the world and death through the world. And so what would have to take place if someone was going to be born that could be a savior, someone that could come and free us and release us from the things that, that have bound us, they would have to be born perfect without st the stain of sin. And it talks about this, that it comes through Adam and the seed of Adam. And that's why it's so important for Jesus to come and for the Holy Spirit to do a miracle within the womb of of Mary, so that when Jesus came, he would be the spotless one. He would be without sin, and he would be one who could possibly give his life for us if he were to walk without sin, and if he were willing to lay down his life for us. So this is so important, that this virgin birth, and of course, this, this would be a little shocking. Uh, I don't know. But Mary says, whatever, do it. I'm, I'm your bond slave. I'm yours. You use me any way you want. You do what you want because this is it. And, you know, the virgin birth is also important. You know, I think of, of poor Joseph, you know, this guy. 
But it says he was a righteous man and he didn't want to dishonor her, didn't want to flout it before the whole public and he was going to put her away quietly. In other words, he was going to divorce her. Things are different in their culture than ours. We get engaged and when we say we're engaged, that just means, well, we're we're thinking about getting married. But when they got engaged, it was an actual formal engagement and they were just like they were married but without sexual relationships. That was culminated one year after the engagement took place. So they even had had to do an official divorce from the engagement. It's just their culture and the way that was. And so Joseph was going to do this. And then it says in Matthew chapter 1, Verse 20, it says, But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And so the angel had to come and say, this is, this is real. Think from Joseph's perspective. What would you do if someone came? Well, I, you know... I'm pregnant, but I never did anything, you know. Would that be a little hard to believe? This is a one-time thing, obviously. It's a miracle of God. And it's something that, that God did for that very reason, to, to bring that life. But just think of this now. Here he is, poor guy, and he's, he's trying to figure this all out and work through it. And the angel says, go ahead, because this is something unique. This is something special. This is something, of, uh, it's a virgin birth. It's something that's never been accomplished before, but it is now. And so he just believed God also. Both these, you know, Mary and Joseph just honored the Lord and believed the Lord when he spoke to them. And he rose up and he says he took her as a wife, but he never consummated the marriage till after Jesus was born. It says he kept her a virgin. So the angel said, here's this this virgin birth and proclaimed that and showed us how that was going to take place. The second thing is, is that the angels proclaimed Jesus as the Davidic king. And if we know what is going on throughout time since God made promises to King David. You remember King David? David and Goliath, and he became king of Israel, and God said, forever I will place on your throne one of your descendants. And he was really speaking of Jesus, not every descendant that he would have, because Jesus is the only one who would be forever able to reign you know, because if we look at the promises of God and don't understand that, we say, well, look, they didn't have anyone on, on David's throne for thousands, you know, a couple thousand years, and, and that's never really happened. But it's happened through Jesus. And so that's really an important thing. So here's the angel says in Luke chapter 1, he's talking to Mary now, and it says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now this is an exciting claim for Israel because it's saying your coming king is is here. Your coming king is going to be Jesus. And 
um, if you know if you know the history of the Jewish people, around the time of Jesus, there was like a fervor. They were expecting the Messiah to come, which would be the Davidic king. They were expecting one to come and to rise up and to conquer all, all you know, get rid of the Romans to bring the rule back to Israel so that they would be free. And they, there was just this expectation. And there were even false Christs that Jesus talked about later in his life. They Around that time, they were rising up and they were trying to get the people to, to rebel and to fight against Rome and to do all these things. But they're saying, no, this is the Davidic king. The angels are proclaiming that Jesus Christ is coming to fulfill the word of God, coming to fulfill what he said so that this could be accomplished. And he would be from the lineage of of David. And if you look at the genealogies, which are so important in Judaism, if you look at those, both uh, Mary and Joseph are from, from the lineage of David, both of them. And so when uh, he was born, he was born a king. And remember when he was crucified? It says king of the Jews, right? So he's truly a Davidic king. And so then the next thing that the angels talk about is that he's the son of God. And I like this too because this is a this is a pretty cool thing. In Luke chapter one, verse thirty-two, it says he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God well, you know, we saw that, and the Lord God will give him the throne and those things. But he says he's the Son of the Most High. And in verse thirty-five it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now, you know, this is interesting. And you can take this a couple different ways. In the culture of the day, when you look at what Son of God means, they had this in, in Roman Greek gods all the time. They came to earth and, and had sexual relationships with the people and then they created these semi-gods or demi-gods and things like that and that's not what we're even talking about here that jesus was the son of god and and so not in the sense of these the thinking of the people of the land but he was one that was actually through the power of the holy spirit he's created as the son of god and so that becomes an important thing. But with their understanding, they might not know that Jesus himself was God. And we'll see that. They show that in just a minute. So he's the Son of God, but he was also called the Savior. So Jesus is the Savior, and it says in Matthew one twenty one, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And really this is the key role that Jesus has obviously. He's coming to save the world. He's coming to to touch every single possible life that he can and bring them into a, a right relationship with God. But the name Jesus means Yahweh of salvation. It's it's the same name as Joshua in the Old Testament. It's uh the Jew, the Jewish, the Greek version of the Hebrew, and so Jesus came as a savior, and we know that that word savior 
means bringing someone out of terrible circumstances and situations, bringing them freedom and peace and liberty and, and protection and life. And so that Jesus Christ came to be the Savior. And I always find it amazing that, that God sent Jesus as a little baby, but that's the process. Jesus had to go through the process that every one of us went through of, of being born and of walking on this earth and fulfilling his purpose and his call. He had to do that because God wanted to do this in a way that would be, uh, well, God's a God of integrity. He can't just forgive sin willy-nilly, you know. There's got to be justice. There has to be justice for sin because every sin that we're talking about harms other people. We talk about sin, it brings destruction on other people either directly or indirectly. So God can never just say, okay, that's fine. I'll just ignore your sin because then he's unjust. Someone who's been harmed and someone who's been hurt by someone else, there needs to be justice. And isn't that something that we have in our hearts? I think it's just something that's innate within us from God that that we want justice. We want things to be right. Now, sometimes for ourselves, we want mercy, right? (laughs) but uh, other people we want justice if someone's hurt us we want to see justice take place and God in order to be just to to bring it to the fullness of what it needed to be Jesus had to come and go through everything that we go through and he had to do it in a way that would legitimately be able to forgive us of our sins and so that's why he had to come as a sacrifice that's why he had to give his life Now, a Savior, a lot of times, would just come and save you out of a situation. You know, it's just like on on the movies, you know. These guys are surrounded, everything's taking place, and whoo, someone comes in and saves them. You know, you see that in a lot of different movies, different shows. It, it, It comes where you're totally surrounded, you're hopelessly overcome by the enemy around you, and then here comes someone to save and to to bring freedom and deliverance and keep you under control. Well, Jesus came as as the Savior, and, and that was the only way it could be done for him to walk through life in obedience to God so that when he walked that perfect walk, then he could offer his blood on our behalf seems strange but it's the only way that would actually work because no one else could do it no one else could atone for their own sins next to anyone else's no one could handle it you know they could lay down their life for you but they could never deal with the sin because of their own and so that's why jesus came that perfect gift that wonderful blessing that god has given us so so he comes as the Savior, and they're proclaiming that he is the Savior. But then I like it in uh, when the angel was talking to um, Joseph, he proclaims that Jesus is God. He's just he's God. So there's no mistake. There's no misunderstanding within the minds of those who would hear. And so it says this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. 
Behold, the virgin shall be with the child and shall bear a son, and that they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So Jesus is fully, completely God. We understand that, you know, from our understanding of the scriptures that that God's triune being, he's Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three equal, all three God, and yet one. It's, it's, it's one of those mind-blowing things that is really hard to comprehend for our um, earthbound minds, I guess. But God has revealed himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. They're one, yet three. That's wild and crazy. But if you think about it, it, this verse that we started looking at says all this took place so that it might be fulfilled. You've got to remember that God had this plan from before the foundation of the world, before anything was created, before anything took place. God had this plan in mind. It was something that was out of eternity, something that was... In, in his heart and mind even prior to creating the heavens and the earth. Because, you know, God doesn't get caught unawares. God isn't, oh, that surprised me. I didn't know that was going to happen. He's not shocked at all by what takes place. He knows everything that's going to take place, but he had this plan in mind even before he created the heavens and the earth. You know, some people say, well, why didn't he just create us so we can't sin? He could have, but then we wouldn't have a true relationship with him. We'd be forced. If I can force you to have a relationship with me, that's not a relationship. That's something that's forced. It's something that's not natural, something that God created us in his image, and that's in the image of self-giving and self-love. He's, he, he gives of himself completely and totally. He has this, this heart that goes out and wants relationship. And so what God wants is a true relationship. And with that true relationship comes the ability to re- reject God and it gives the, the ability for us to sin against God And, you know, God was so gracious, he warned Adam and Eve. He warned them beforehand. He says, don't do this because in the day that you do, death will enter this world. You will die. So he was was warning them against what could take place, and they ignored him and actually began to do what they wanted to do, which brought death into the world. And so, so Jesus, when he came, he came as God because God's the only one who could truly save us. God is the only one who truly has that ability. And he, again, he had to do it in a right manner, in a right way. And so the angel says, this is Emmanuel who is God with us. And so, you know, isn't that his heart? I just want you to, you know, as you read through the scriptures, as you do these things, look how many times you find out God wants a relationship with us. How God's made a way and how his heart is. You read it all the way from really the beginning of the scriptures all the way to the end is God's heart is for a relationship. It says, I will be their God and they will be my people. Where there's this 
where this joint relationship where we give ourselves to God and he gives himself to us. And there's that relationship that actually takes place. So God is with us. So now when we heard this Davidic kingdom and that Jesus was coming as Savior, he was coming as Savior for Israel. But the angels even proclaim this when he's talking to the shepherds. In, in Luke chapter 2, he says, I have good news for all people. It says this, but the angel says, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the peoples. You see, God's plan always has been from the very beginning to save the world. Jesus came to save the world. You know, the classic scripture, and I didn't put it up there, but the classic scripture that people speak of all the time, you even see it at football games, somebody sitting there with a John 3.16 sign, right? And they're going like this, read this, read this, because they're hoping that if people understand that God loves them so much, they'll respond to him. But it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, because it says, then the next verse says, for God did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. So there's this whole understanding of God's precious gift of Jesus is in order to save the world. He doesn't hate the world. He doesn't, he's not coming, this first coming in in the time that we're in right now. He's not coming to bring judgment and his wrath. He's coming to bring salvation and life and freedom and forgiveness and restoration and abundance and fullness and all the things that he has to give. So he's here to do that and he's come. And he says this message is not just for Israel, but for all the peoples. And of course, what what did Jesus do when he rose again from the dead? When he came, you know, he came back and he said, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel to every living creature. I want everyone to know about the gospel, the good news that they can be forgiven, that God has made a way through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. He's made a way for us to come back to God, which is really the final message of, of these angels. And so that final message is in Luke 2.14. And this is where all of the multitude of hosts come. This is probably the shortest concert ever. If you think about it, it's only like, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. That's a pretty short concert. But I'll bet you never, not one of them ever forgot. If you think, whoa, you know, I can't even imagine what a multitude of angels sound like. Yeah, it's got to be impressive. And they said, in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest. And uh, on earth peace among men with whom he's well pleased. Peace among men so this is an important thing is that this is a message of reconciliation because what's what's the whole point of reconciliation is to take care of something that's been wronged a wrong person is it's made right 
God reconciled the world to himself because of his great love. See, sin separates us, but God wants reconciliation. And so, peace among men. That's what God wants, peace. He wants harmony with us. He wants a relationship with with us. And here's the other thing, too, is that on earth, it says, peace on earth among men with whom he's pleased. And so often, God's pictured as being just hateful and just, rah, I want to destroy everyone. God hates sin. I do know that. He hates it because of the destructiveness of what it brings in people's lives. But God actually loves us, loves people, and he wants every single one to come to know him and have a relationship with him. And so that really becomes an important part of what God wants. So there's the gospel in a nutshell from the angels. I mean, it really is a lot that's there. It doesn't talk about his second return because their focus is on the first coming. But there it is. It's, it's, it's there, the fullness of the gospel spoken through the mouths of angels, but then given into our hands because we have a message to proclaim, and that's that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Savior, and you can be forgiven, and you can come to God. And so that, that's vital. So as you well know, <clears throat> when I'm done, I'm done. And so I'm done. And so everyone will be shocked and surprised and almost pass out. But when I'm done, I'm done. I could keep talking to fill the time, but I feel that's foolishness and silliness and falseness and all that kind of stuff. Because when I'm done, I'm done. Lord, I I want to thank you for today and I want to thank you for who you are and that you love us so much that you do send angels to proclaim the message, but now you've sent us and help us to just do that, to speak forth your wonders and your glories that people can see you and come to know you. And so I just ask for your blessing, Lord, over the next couple days and ask for your favor to be upon each one. Amen. So we're going to have a service, 5 o'clock tomorrow. It'll be a short one, a little shorter than this one even. And uh, we won't quite go to glory to God and the highest peace on earth to all men, and, you know, we'll do a little longer than that. But uh, so we're going to be doing that, and then uh, next Sunday we'll be voting on... uh, some uh, board members that we have, church council, and then also light chair and fire. Have a good day. Wahoo! All right, and if anyone wants prayer, we always pray.